Welcome to the Courageous Recovery Broadcast. I'm your host, Randy Mortensen. This is a weekly 25 to 30 minute program where we provide answers for your, I don't know how. Whether you're dealing with recovery issues, emotions from a loss, or maybe life has just thrown you one more curveball than you were expecting, I'm so glad you're here. Today, my guest coming to you is is actually sitting in, in Washington, and, and you're going to be blown away by his recovery journey and just his professional life and, and you know the pathway that he's on. So depending upon how you're, you're watching this or listening to this, if there's a, a chat box or a subscription, uh, please leave us any, any questions or any comments. And, and if there is a subscription button, please hit subscribe. And, and then also for more information on, on the work that I'm doing, you can go to my website, which is randymortensen.com. That's Randy Mortensen, M-O-R-T-E-N-S-E-N.com. There's a 21-point assessment that's on the front page there that will tell you whether you're eligible for one of my programs called the Lifestyle Champion Cohort. So, Ray, people that know me know I talk very fast sometimes, with, you know, 140 words a minute to gusts of 250. But um, we've got a little bit of a time crunch. So thank you for being here today. And my usual first question is, what is it that you know today that you wish your 22-year-old self would have known? What comes to mind? Yeah, it's a great question to start on. And thanks for having me on, Randy. Really uh, appreciate the opportunity. And it's a, an honor to you know share, share some of my, my story, I guess, and, and chat a little bit about uh, some of the things over the years. And you know, so the 22-year-old self, I won't, I'm trying to do the, do the math, right? So, but if we're going back, say, <laughs> say more than 35 years, um, and, and thinking back there, and I actually started my career as an officer in the Navy. So at 22, I just graduated, got commissioned, uh, headed to San Diego, was, was bobbing around on, uh, on a Navy cruiser in the San, uh, uh, Pacific and Indian Ocean. Um, and I think, you know, since we're talking about recovery, the, the biggest thing that comes to mind, you know, I, I always worried about drinking, you know, all through, through college. And, and at that point I had, you know, alcoholism on both sides of my family. I, I kind of watched what my mom had gone through and she was struggling with health issues then and going forward. Um, but it just seemed like, wow, okay, this is something, you know, I, I was worried about, but didn't know. And I thought, well, I don't really want to go down the whole AA path. And in fact, as an officer, I'd been trained in, you know, helping uh, with recovery and different programs. Um, so I think the thing I wish I would have known is there are other options and there are ways to get help. And, you know, it took me about 20 years to, to get, get back to that or, or to kind of answer that question, which came through, you know, kind of a do it your own approach and not taking anything away from AA. And, and I know it uh, saves a lot of people and helps a lot of people, but, you know, through talking to some really, really great people, having some great mentors and therapists uh, and, you know, kind of working, working on myself to some extent. Um, you know, I realized I was way better off not drinking. And, and once I came to that conclusion, you know, that kind of paved the path going forward. I've been actually, I guess it, yeah, I, I've been sober just 20 years in September. Um, so now looking back, it, it would have been about 15 years, I guess it took me to figure that out. <clears throat> Congratulations. Just 20 years this past September is what you're saying, yeah, right? Exactly. Well yep. done. Well done. So what was, 
What was that aha moment? I heard you say you were in the Navy. So thank you for, mm-hmm. for serving. And um, what was it? Because there's somebody listening that's just battling today. I had a young man yesterday that mid-20s wants to quit doing all the weed and all the stuff. And he said, I don't know how. Right. So mm-hmm. what what was that moment when, you know, when you said, OK, enough's enough. Yeah. And, you know, I won't say that there was a, a rock bottom, you know, looking up or, or, you know, legal or financial or huge crisis that prompted it. I think I was just so worried, so tired of worrying and thinking about, wait, is, is this an issue? It doesn't jive with the kind of my, my vision, my philosophy for myself or for the future. And I, I had the, the real opportunity and blessing to uh, spend some time with a professor actually at University of Washington, Alan Marlat. And, and Dr. Marlat has done a lot of research on um, uh, prevention and reduction of harm. And so his whole approach is, hey, you know, what we want to do is kind of take away the harm and, and we'll worry about the other stuff. And, and so I actually worked with him o- over a period of time and was talking to him about how much I struggled. And, you know, I had one therapist said, well, you know, you could just not drink. That would be an interesting way to test this out. Um, and, you know, it sounds simple, but, but it was kind of like, huh, it, yeah, is that possible? And Dr. Marlatt's approach, which was fascinating, was, you know, the best way to become a non-drinker is to master the habit of not having a drink, like to figure out how you do that. And, and if people have heard the phrase surfing the urge, I think he, he actually coined that and, and has written extensively. He's passed away now, but you know, the idea that it comes and goes. And, you know, for those of us who have kind of gone through that, we realize, oh yeah, there is a point where the wave is cresting, right? And you're like, oh, I've got to, and then it kind of subsides. And if you are able to work through that. And I'm not saying it's simple and it certainly wasn't in my case, but became a more of a process to say, oh yeah, you know, I can, I can breathe, I can run, I can <laughs> do other things. Um, and over time, it just became so much easier and easier to, you know, kind of manage that and then realize, oh yeah, I've got 20 years of, of doing that. And, you know, I don't, I don't think about where the wave is, right. And I'm not white knuckling it all the time. So, for me, that was, that was really enlightening. Well, and, and you said it was, it was about the, the network or the, the professionals that you sought out. And, and it's, I like to say it's about, it's all about community. In other words, who are you hanging around with? Who are you seeking help? Because you, you said it a minute ago, nine times out of 10, somebody that doesn't understand alcoholism they're, they're going to say, well, why don't you just not drink? Well, right, right. yeah, it's easy for you to say, why, why don't you just not eat a Snickers bar every other day, you know, or, right. or the calories or, or whatever. And it's, it's far more intense than that, as you just alluded to. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. But the, the network is, is so important. And so I think, you know, having people that can share their experiences, I think it is one of the reasons AA is so effective, right? Is the social community and, and being able to share in a safe environment, you know, and I'll liken it to, to our business uh, community and, and the, the work that we do. So we have a sales training company and, and we train corporate sales uh, teams around the world. And one of the things that's uh, actually emerged through COVID that's been a, a little bit of a silver lining is because we have to do more things virtually, we're connecting those communities more often in the training. 
and they learn as much or more from each other and sharing their experiences and say, go apply this for a week and come back and let's practice the skill and versus just being in a workshop where it's immersive and then you come out and you're not sure what to do next. Uh, but I think that ability to, however you find that, whether it's through your church, through a sports community, through mentors, um, you know, to being able to, to share. And I think for men, especially, and I know that's, that's your target audience, that may be a little bit more difficult to get vulnerable and, and transparent, <laughs> um, but that's where the magic happens. Right. And, and yeah. so I, I think however we can find that is, is really valuable. In normal times, you know, non-COVID, I, I'm I'm blessed to to speak to a number of corporate audiences across the country, actually around the world. And the title of that keynote is "Crushing the Stigma." So as as you've as you've gone through your journey and as you're working with others that maybe are struggling with compulsive and destructive behaviors, how how are you seeing people dealing with the stigma? of, you know, some sort of compulsive destructive behavior? What, what's your experience been there? Well, and, and, you know, maybe I, I, I'm an optimist. Uh, well, I am an optimist. And so maybe that's the way I'm looking at it. But <laughs> one of the really positive things I see is uh, I think an increased opportunity to, to share those stories and acceptance of those stories. And so, you know, it's come out of, oh, it's, we should be talking about mental health you know, in, right. in online, whether it's on LinkedIn or, or elsewhere, people are sharing some of their struggles. And especially coming out of COVID as people have struggled with a number of things, you know, we should kind of assume <laughs> that there's, there's some struggles there. So how are we dealing? And, and as a manager, and we, we train managers and, and leaders, um, how do you make it okay to have that conversation and say, well, let's check in, you know, let's put the agenda aside. How are you doing? what challenges have you run into? Here's what I'm working through or what I'm doing. And so I, I think getting it out there and, and, you know, anybody who's struggled through uh, a situation and whether it's with a family member or anything and connects with somebody and realizes, oh, wow, there are a lot of people who have gone through this, but nobody's talking about it. Right. And so, right. you know, I think one of the gifts of being able to share that and, and, you know, I'll mention, Randy, I think we connected actually through a LinkedIn post that I had yes. put out about my my 20 year anniversary yes. uh, of being sober. And and that was the first time in my you know kind of business side that I had shared that publicly. And I, I would say the, the number of connections and the feedback, 100 percent positive. There wasn't a, you know, a single at least maybe nobody would mention it there, but, but nothing negative. And the number of people who privately and publicly said how much they appreciated that, how much it resonated, they shared their story with me, which I never knew right now. I know a, a number of people who have been through and said, wow, you know, I, I didn't know that, but here's my story. Uh, and you know, that, that post had over 10,000 views in, in just a short period of time. Uh, way, way more wow. than any of our content because, you know, it, it kind of caught on for people saying, no, this is, this is positive and this is good to share this kind of a story. Well done. It, it, it really is because, because as we grow in our recovery, we, we realize how much more vulnerable we truly need to be if we're going to continue to grow, if we're going to need continue to improve and, you know, I don't know you very well yet, but you genuinely care about your people and your clients or those coaches that you're working with, those sales business development people you're working with. And 
the the shocking thing for me is is that the stat one out of every four people in the United States is either dealing with the challenge or a loved one or you know coworkers dealing with some sort of a challenge. Twenty twenty one, we had one hundred seven thousand six hundred twenty two overdose deaths in the United States in twenty twenty one. That's two hundred ninety five a day. Right. So why aren't we talking about it? Yeah. I guarantee we've got somebody here running a business or they're leading a sales team or something like that, that heard you talk about, about, you know, the business you're in. So tell me a little bit about the sales readiness group, please. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. And, and, and there is a really interesting connection, you know, as, as we think about it. So we're a sales and sales management training company. So we help improve the performance of sales teams throughout the, throughout the world, providing different programs, whether in-person, virtual, or kind of a digital uh, online solution. Um, But specifically when we train sales managers, and that's one of the forgotten (laughs) uh, issues often is we we train the sales team, we promote our best salespeople, but but we don't train our managers to be good leaders. And so it's (laughs) one of the things we focus on and around coaching, it really goes back to our first discussion, which is that coaching mindset of, you know, assuming that they're trying to do a good job, trying to help them improve or get better, right? Working with them. And instead of the my way or a high, the highway, it's much more about, well, let's meet you where you are. Let's figure out how to improve your performance, right? Just like trying to improve whether it's a personal issue or an addiction, but but let's figure out and involve them in the process. And I think one of the things I've learned over the years, you know, telling somebody just to change is not very effective, regardless of what the issue is. But working with them, and especially in a sales scenario, hey, let's identify a couple of those things that we can improve, just like a top athlete would identify their limiters and work with multiple coaches typically to to close those gaps you know, let's build that into our coaching plan and work with our sales team to make them the top performers. And one thing and I was just, I probably had a broad smile on my face because anytime you have somebody managing salespeople that has never really had success themselves, how can you expect them to perform right now? If they've had good coaches or good you know, leaders, then you don't necessarily have to be the best salesperson. You just have to build a relationships in, in confidence. And, you know, I, I used to think as a sales guy, it's all about the money, right? Well, it's not all about the money. It's the recognition. It's the time off. It's the opportunity to serve and, and so on. And that's what so many leaders, particularly in the larger corporations, they have no hint how to lead, how to be Salesforce leaders. Right. Is that? Uh, yeah, a- a- absolutely. I think we need to find out the internal motivators for those individuals. And and it, there's no one size fits all. Right. So so it really is that situational leadership uh, approach and, and understanding the personal motivators and meeting that person. You know, some people it is about money, but others, it's much more about getting home to their kids baseball game. And so, you know, how do we support that? And so, right. yeah, I, and I think you're right. They they often don't have those skills. They may not have to be the best athlete on on the field to be a great coach, but they need to know the game. And then right. they need to know how to be a good coach and a good leader. 
And right. so that's a lot of what we work on in our workshops and our, our development is what are those skills, right? From hiring, managing, coaching, leading, managing a pipeline, right? Motivating all of those factors that come into play for a frontline manager. Okay. So, so the website for your, for your company, for your organization is salesreadinessgroup.com, right? Okay. Salesreadinessgroup.com. Folks, I will share the link as well as, as Ray's uh, LinkedIn uh, that had just that one post had 10,000 views. Well done. High five uh, for, for that. And, and just as, as we, as we look to, to wrap up, for that that guy Ray that's listening to this that is crazy su- successful in his sales career but his personal life's a mess his partying chasing women you know just his lifestyle choices are poor what would you say to encourage that guy today yeah i mean I, I, just at the simplest level that there are other paths to take and you know that was part of my post is uh, it, it's almost a foregone conclusion or it kind of feels like, oh, in sales, you got to go out to the three cocktail, you know, happy hour and you have to be entertaining, you know, with bottles. Of wine. And, you know, I've, I've been in Europe with French clients and I've declined the wine and they haven't, I haven't lost the business. Right. And, right. Uh, you know, I've, I've been, uh, you know, in other scenarios where it's a blue collar beer drinking crowd and it's like, no, that's okay. I'll just have clothes. And nobody really cares, right? They really don't. They're they're focused more on themselves and their own situation. So that was something I had to realize is, oh, wait a minute. Nobody is really that paying that much attention to it. And in fact, if anyone asks, I'm happy to share the story. And I would say that was, you know, kind of empowering to say, well, actually, no, I, I have alcoholism in my family. I made the decision not to drink. And, and you know, if you'd like to talk more about it, I'm happy to. And mostly it's because people are maybe worried about their own situation a little bit. Right. So, yeah, I would right. say it, right. it, is, it is okay. There is another path. There are lots of people to work with. And back to your point, yeah, feel free to link in to me. We share a lot of content sales related uh, through LinkedIn and on our website. There's a blog and, and monthly webinars, et cetera. Uh, and I'm happy to continue to and talk about this topic as well if anyone we re- wants to reach out individually. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, so ladies and gentlemen, if you know somebody who is struggling today, maybe you're that person who's, who's battling compulsive destructive behavior, please don't wait another day. As Ray has said a couple of times, reach out to somebody who, who you trust or that you know. You can call my office at 321-757-HOPE because those 295 people a day that are dying in the United States are husbands, wives, sons, and daughters of someone who loves them. So today's the day, and I do hope you found this information helpful today. You can look for the replay to be available on all the usual podcast online outlets like Buzzsprout, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many more. So we'll just sign off with with uh, this, this wish. I, I hope you have a blessed day and be extraordinary today. Great. Thank you, Randy.